and gentlemen, welcome to our second episode of our new podcast. My name is Austin Gober, one of your fabulous co-hosts. And I am Lily Grant, the other amazing co-host of our Caps Business Podcast. Today we have a special guest joining us. Our special guest today is a fellow Washington native. He's a proud Borger alumni. He attended Missouri State University, Go Bears, where he studied community and regional planning. While attending Missouri State University, he was part of an internship program with the Economic Development Section for the City of Washington. After graduating from Missouri State University, he took up a job in Jefferson County in their planning division before taking a job in Washington as a city planner. Once his predecessor, Darren Land, stepped down, he happily took the job of Economic and Development Director, where he has been for five years. So how are you doing, Sal? Thank you for coming down for I'm us. I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me. That was quite the intro. You guys did, did your homework. Yeah, we, we do like to get a little bit of research going, so, but... So I guess the first question is a pretty simple simple question, but could you give us like a brief description of what you do for Washington? Yeah, so uh, as Community and Economic Development Director, um, really the, the quickest way to put it is I'm the business liaison for all of our businesses here in the community, uh, really focusing on business retention and expansion. So making sure our existing businesses are happy and willing to grow here and able to grow here if they have any issues, and then doing extensions, uh, recruiting new businesses, trying to help existing businesses grow. So um, that's kind of my day-to-day, and then obviously in there, there's some city planning, working with existing developers, making sure everything grows, um, you know, according to plan. Awesome. Okay. Um, what are some notable projects you have accomplished or oversaw so far as the economic developer for Washington? Hmm. Um, I, one thing I'm definitely proud of, and obviously there's it's always a team effort, um, in, when I first started, um, a lot of the downtown redevelopment had already begun. Obviously, with uh, you know the first big redevelopment started in 2007 with Main Street, uh, and then on the west side of Front Street, Rhine River, where Buds and all that started. But uh, we knew we wanted to anchor, um, have Front Street kind of be an entertainment district and, and anchor that. And so um, we did a big redevelopment starting in 2017. Um, it's still in our construction now, but uh, of all the townhomes and, and new construction you see on Front Street, um, when I first started, that was an overgrown reservoir, empty lots. And so it's really cool to be down the riverfront and see, you know, a five-story new building and eight new townhomes and everything kind of filling up. And there are, I think there's one lot left on Front Street that's not been built. So everything's kind of been built up. So definitely proud of that project. Yes. So on the topic of like projects and stuff, are there any like exciting developments or projects that are coming in the up in the near future? Um. Some of it's still got to be secretive. You know, we can't share too much. But, uh, no, I mean, there's there's some stuff going on downtown that we're definitely excited about, um, and I think it's it's all public knowledge that, uh, like, where Andy's Produce is, um, that's the old Missourian building. Um, that's actually for just the first phase of a much larger development they're working on. Uh, they have, uh, they actually own that whole block, so it's not just that building. I think there's just a small portion of the corner they don't own, and so um, they have a long-range plan there of and not even too long, just a couple of years of making that much more of an entertainment hub for downtown uh, that can handle everything from uh, they call it eight to eighty. So not just you know twenty-one and up bars, but actually having kind of an arcade and uh, VR um, and, and sort of entertainment district. And so they have some really cool plans for that that we're excited to to help get off the ground. Um, I think it's going to be. It, it fits into our goals of trying to retain, you know, young professionals, get people who want to stay here, and then recruit in as well. So definitely some some very cool things happening downtown, and that's just one of a few. Um, and on the non-entertainment side, um, 
we do have a new industrial park that we have we purchased 115 acres last year um, right across from highway 100 from Vosbrink, kind of where melton uh, melton built and we are in the process of we actually just submitted for a grant to put in all the infrastructure road water sewer um, and so uh, hopefully in the next few years you'll see some some big factories coming out of the ground there bringing a lot of jobs a lot of investment into the community so nice thank you thank you that's exciting um Long term. Well, you know, I think you never want to recreate the wheel. I think I'm I'm fortunate in having the job I do and, and the um, the sector I'm in. Um, you know, being a city planner, economic development, um, Washington's already a, a pretty fortunate place. We have a lot going on. Uh, so I think my my main goal is to continue the the path we have and continue the growth we have. Uh, but maybe just kind of step it up. Um, I know there's. At sometimes Washington seems like it's booming. There is a, a ton of construction going on here and there, and um, but in reality, our population growth has been pretty moderate. Uh, like one percent year over year is actually pretty slow. Uh, and at, when you look at it, larger terms of um, business growth and needing employees, one percent actually isn't really enough to handle that. And so I, my goal is to kind of um, increase that population growth of people who actually live and work here. Um, and not be just a, a daytime where people are coming in for work and going and living elsewhere, which uh, is the case. You know, our, our population gets up to 22,000 during the day, and we only have 15,000 that live here. And so I think my main goal would be able to truly make Washington kind of a live-work play where you know, there's jobs for everyone, there's houses that match those jobs, and then there's entertainment for them. So that, to kind of get that full, uh, full docket of everything that's available. Uh, Emily Underdown. Or she, she's uh, obviously in the, the tourism director. Yeah. yeah, work closely with her. She had a very good, like I don't like a quote, and it was that they bring them to Washington, but then you keep them here. So, like, do you agree with that? And like, how often do you like maybe work with tourism or marketing to absolutely people to come here? Yeah, so we work. I work with Emily in the Chamber of Commerce. So Emily's the the tourism director um, out of the Chamber of Commerce, but um, is actually paid for through the bed tax. And so we we work very closely together since we're both tax paid. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's, she put it, uh, a great way with, um, she entices, you know, visitors to come here and then hopefully we have created an atmosphere and created opportunities enough that they, they want to stay. Uh, we actually do have a marketing campaign going on right now that we're paying to be shown outside of Washington. So people around here probably wouldn't have seen too much of it, but, uh, it's called plan on staying. Like you come once and you plan on staying. So, uh, and that goes for, you know, Visitors, tourists coming and realizing they are the opportunities here, but for businesses as well. You know, they may be coming in and um, they're a client of another business here. It's like, oh, you know what? Maybe we will plan our plan on staying and keeping our business here. So, yeah, that's that's kind of been the slogan lately. So we saw, and also we saw in those marketing videos that you're a pretty good biker. You'd say you can get around <laughs> on, a, on a bike there. Did she tell you to bring that up? Yeah, she might have said something. She was like, Sal was really proud of that biking clip. I was like, he looked like he was having yeah, a good I, old time. I felt like I was like the wicked witch of the west, all stiff on that bike. <laughs> no, it was, but it was really cool to kind of see those videos because she showed us like a video that was like ten years ago, and it was kind of more focused towards like an older audience. It was like a four minute video, but then this other video she showed us was like this, like it was very short, and it was like. Very like high paced, like yep. upbeat, and it was it was kind of cool to see the difference between that. But so I mean, I guess now that you kind of told us that you're like a liaison for businesses, like what is your process of convincing a business to locate or relocate? And on the flip side, like what do you look for in a potential business that might want to come here? Yeah, so um, 
the main pro- it goes through a lot of steps. Uh, so getting a business, especially if it's a new business where um, you know if they don't necessarily have ties here, um, it's a very long process. Not something that's done over a couple months. Uh, what we typically do is re- we respond to what we call RFIs, their requests for information. So um, the the real nature of the business is most larger companies that have multiple locations. Most of the time, they're not going to say, you know what, we want to be in Washington. That's you know that's where we're going to put our next plant. They put out a request for information to all towns. So whether it's, hey, we want to be in Missouri, we want to be in the Midwest, I've responded to some that are uh, nationwide or even international. And so they say, hey, here's our parameters. We need X amount of acres. Uh, we need um, you know this much electricity, water, sewer. Uh, what communities you know can can provide for that and be able to offer. And so uh, we'll submit on that. Um, they'll go through, throw out the ones that won't fit, you know, and it even gets into, they want to know about our, you know, uh, the, I guess the quantitative details of town, you know, about our downtown, about the workforce, kind of the, a good place to live. And so that's when we'll show those videos, we'll put it into a package and say, here's where we, here's where we think you could build the factory. Uh, here's our information about our workforce. Here's the housing options. And here's a little bit about our community. So that we kind of throw a package together. Um, they can hopefully we make it to the next round, which you know oftentimes we're fortunate enough if it if you know we can put a pretty good presentation together, and then um, after we get through enough rounds of elimination, they do a site visit, and that's where we kind of uh, try and roll out the red carpet of our um, we call it our site selection our site visit team, uh, kind of in city administration, uh, have a lunch with them, um, meet at city hall first, kind of talk about the community, and then. We will bring them out to the site, and then we always make sure, even if it's not the fastest way to get there, to kind of do a quick tour of a drive-through of, of downtown, show some construction, show some housing. So um, to make sure they realize this is a vibrant, growing community, that always, I think, bodes well. So it's all about how you, how you present it, even if I'm not driving through and talking about downtown. We're not pitching downtown to get them to see, hey, there's activity down here. So it's all about selling the community um, in, in that regard. When it gets to the later stages and they say, yep, this is a good place for us to grow, it, the, obviously it gets a lot more complex in, in the details. I won't bore everyone with that. But, yeah, it gets into, you know, unfortunately the nature of the business is every city in America has incentives that they can offer. And so um, if we're not going to uh, be able to offer incentives for a business, they're going to end up going elsewhere. So that's where it really gets into the more complex negotiations of, okay, how many jobs are you going to create? What is uh, the wages? How, what's your actual capital investment? Um, you know, we, we pretty much say if you've got to create 40 jobs, 10 million, I'm just throwing out numbers, but 40 jobs, $10 million of investment, um, and you got to pay those people $50,000 a year on average, that'll open the door for some incentives to kind of get that last-ditch effort to reel them in. Are the, if you're able to disclose, are there, like, some businesses that have kind of, like, shied away from Washington that you, like, really wanted to come or... Oh, that's a good question. Um, so on these RFIs, those, those requests we get, they don't often put the business name on there. They will pay someone to send it out, and it's all under a, a code name. So like, you know, Project Dandelion or, um, you know, we had uh, uh, Project Blue. You know, it's whatever it is. Um, we don't necessarily know the, the businesses. We'll know the type of business. Um, we have sometimes difficulty with distribution centers um, because they want to be directly on the highway. They want to build something that they can drive out of the driveway and get on the interstate. So um, the distribution centers don't always have a lot of jobs, but they're large investment, big buildings, a lot of inventory. Um, so they're, they're 
and you need flat land. Washington's pretty hilly, but that is something we've always had difficulty landing just because our, our access to the highway. Um, other than that, I think we, we have a pretty diverse workforce. We have a lot of land options. Um, oh, there are some things that absolutely have to have um, access to railroad. Uh, and because we have a team track, we have a, a transfer station where people can ship and, and receive um, from our owned and operated rail spur. But some factories, some businesses have to have their own rail spur into their factory. It has to be private. And we just, the way Washington sits, it's not possible unless we basically have a new railroad come through. It's you know, not going to happen. So that, that can be difficult. You know, I got an RFI yesterday that said uh, it absolutely had to be rail served. And so obviously we can't even submit on those. Um, so one problem that I've kind of heard that you and Emily were echoing was that like Washington's like running out of space. How would you, like, how do you suggest that we combat this problem in a way that makes it so we can either conserve space or add space while also letting the, the downtown develop? Yeah, so there's kind of two sides of it. Um, you know, there is not, you know, we, we, we've annexed some new farms, um, uh, you know, where they voluntarily come in and say, hey, we'd like to be part of the city. It allows for residential and, and industrial development. Um, but, yeah, there's not a ton of um, undeveloped land in Washington yet. Um, we do have a lot of land right on the outskirts that if the owners so wish to come in, they could do that. Um, and so there's two sides of it. Obviously, I think on the one side of actually growing our boundaries and, and allowing to get um, more farms annexed when, I say that carefully, it's always, it's never the city saying, hey, you need to sell your farm, you need to develop this. It's the family agreeing it's time to sell it's time to develop and you know that we let them come to us it's what we call voluntary annexation it's never you know the last time we tried to do a involuntary i think was 2014 it was a long time ago um, where the voters go to it since then we've always let it happen voluntarily so i think my two sides of it are i try and be as business friendly as possible show the families hey here's the opportunities when you're ready we're willing to help we're willing to connect you with developers that are eager uh to to, to invest in washington uh, there's a handful of them that I know are always looking for land. Um, so when a family wants to sell, we can make that connection and just make it as easy as possible. On the other side of that, um, that doesn't mean that there's not infill that could be done. And infill is finding an empty lot or a dilapidated building that could be reinvested and have money brought into it. And so that's the other side of it is saying, hey, we don't have to always be growing our boundaries. That's something to focus on and allowing to happen when someone's ready. But um, you know, finding a lot downtown or finding even anywhere in town that, hey, you know what, everything's kind of built up around this, but this is still vacant for some reason. What are the hurdles to that? Are there water sewer issues? Is there stormwater? What could we do to um, clean that up and, and get it easier developed? So, yeah, we try and come at it from both sides and make sure downtown's still vibrant. We're infilling anything that's, you know, left and then still growing as we need. Okay, um, so going back to, like, relocating and locating businesses to Washington, is there any, in your opinion, any casual diners, fast food restaurants, or other national retailers that you think would be a good addition to Washington? Ooh, the, the chains. I always get the questions of what chains do we need. Um, some of this is going to be personal preference. Okay. So um, we don't – national retail chains, they're typically – they happen – they come to the community organically. They realize that there's a market for it. A franchisee or an owner will decide to invest. Um, it's rare for a community like Washington, um, maybe a really, really small community who doesn't have a lot, will go directly to a chain and say, we'd like you to, to, to come here. Um, for us, we've always let retail happen naturally or, or organically. Uh, so I'm not 
going to these chains and necessarily pitching Washington. Not saying we can't do that. It's just it's happened organically. Why you know we can spend our time elsewhere. But um, I think that Washington has, with just looking at demographics, the um, annual income and everything, um, and I know it's going to get everyone excited. Chick Fil A would do would be perfect here. Um, they typically have gone on highways. You know, we may not have the traffic counts, but if you look at the communities they're in, I think we fit the demographic. Um, I am partial to Pickleman's, uh, Pickleman's Sandwich Shop and Pizza. It was my favorite place in college, and they don't always go on like highways, drive-throughs like a Chick-fil-A. They will go into an old downtown and redo a space. Um, that's what they did in Springfield. I would love a Pickleman's downtown that I could walk to from City Hall. <laughs> so there are definitely some chains. You know, a Red Lobster, um, uh, a you know, Texas Roadhouse, that kind of thing on the highway. Um, you know, we have the demographics for it. We match other communities that they've built in. Um, but until they get kind of that franchisee who's willing to make that risk, it's, it's tough, tough to get. What's your uh, order when you go to Pickleman's? I've never been. That sounds Ooh. good, though. So they have a, um, like a chicken Parmesan, chicken Caesar um, uh, sub that you can get. That's like toasted. It's got Caesar dressing on it. And then they have uh, excellent pizzas like buffalo chicken pizza. They have, they have, a, bunch of, they have a bunch of good food. But either that, that Caesar sub or the, the buffalo chicken pizza. Now, this might get some people riled up, but Pickleman's pizza or Emo's? Which one's better? In oh, opinion? that is a good question. I think I can hear all like the same people know. just like it better be emo. I know. It be I emos. do love emo. So I'm going to say this: Pickleman's has way more like specialty items. Like mm-hmm. I, emo's has its its list of pizzas, and they're great. I love emo's, but Pickleman's has like if I want to get a pizza with white sauce and chicken, and you know that you know I can specialize it much more at Pickleman's. So I'm sorry, I'm going to say Pickleman's, and also I I can never get it, so it's like a it's like a. I've been there before. It's, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. good. But I get turkey and cheese sandwich basically at every sandwich <laughs> shop. So. so, yeah, really worth the money to go to Pickleman's for turkey and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I think Emo's is good, though. Like, if you want pizza, but don't want to get, like, weighed down, like, the greasiness. Yeah. Like, it's really light, like, pizza. But it's Pizza is all about, it, it, like, I can either crave Domino's or I can crave Emo's. It doesn't mean, you know, it's, it's whatever I'm craving at the time. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Emo's is, I don't get it a whole lot, but. It is what it is, but I got one more question for you. Like yep. more, like I guess a serious one. But what are some like challenges or obstacles that Washington is like facing currently? I know we touched on like the space problem, and like, but like other than that, and then what are some things that are also like helping Washington grow, like that are at its advantage? Yeah. Um, so these kind of go hand in hand. I think um, something that is a, a hurdle for us can also show as an opportunity, but. One big uh, hurdle, and I know every community in the nation, I, every conference I go to is, is dealing with this, but um, Washington's not immune to it, is the lack of workforce. Um, we are, every company in town is hiring. Uh, they're just not getting enough applicants in the door, and um, we need more people. And it's, you know, you hear the phrase, people just don't want to work nowadays. It's like, well, unemployment is pretty low, so I don't really know what else we can do. People are working. Um, but they're not choosing to necessarily go into the career paths that people did before. Um, now, no shade to anyone or you if you don't have jobs. I will say there are less high schoolers that get jobs uh, nowadays, which, you know, that's just the, the, the way it is. Um, that is kind of hurting a lot of our retailers and our restaurants that they can't find um, help. Um, I know I have some retailers who have said that they would they would happy, happily expand if they could find the help, and they just they can't do it. So that's definitely a big hurdle of getting enough uh, workforce, getting enough workers, um, 
on the other side of that, Washington, well, I'll, I'll, everyone's struggling to get manufacturers. Uh, manufacturing, you know, that career, that skilled kind of welders, uh, skilled machinist, less and less people are going into that field. So that's always kind of been um, a concern. But then whenever we look at Washington as a whole, we have 22% um, of our workforce works in manufacturing when only 9% is, is statewide. So Washington already has a larger hurdle to get over than most communities because we have more percentage of our jobs are in manufacturing. So I think really trying to focus on getting more people into that career path is, is definitely a big hurdle for us. But as an opportunity, companies who are looking to be in manufacturing, they know they can come to Washington and know that there's a larger percentage of people that have that skill. You know, if 25% of our workforce is in manufacturing, that's more people who are willing to, sh to teach that skill and, and share that skill and be able to train people. When you go to another community that has 9%, well, that that, that just, the pool of people is just gets smaller. So it's a, it's a hurdle that we don't have enough, but it's also an opportunity to be able to kind of stretch that down. And I feel like the uh, not being able to find work thing, I think if we could just, like you were talking about earlier, if we get more like young professionals and like more people to actually stay here, I feel like that could also, do you think that could also oh, yeah. fix some of those? So that is, a, that is one of our number one goals is to, to um, kind of market Washington as a place for young professionals. Really, I mean, uh, people my age and, and a little bit younger to 35, uh, we have the opportunity to really showcase that all there is for entertainment, job opportunities, uh, and keep young professionals here, but also attract. So. so I got just one more question. This is kind of a it's, a, it's a fun little one. How do you feel about being in Blue Jay territory when you yourself are a boy nice? <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I love it. I have grown to appreciate Washington High more and more since I've come here. Um, it is. It was funny, you know. That rivalry was huge when I was in high school. I'm assuming it's still, you know, all the, the sporting events are. Union's also pretty. It's like Washington and Union is also a really big one. Yeah, too. really big yeah. one. Yeah, but I gotta say, you know, because of my job and working so closely with the school district. I mean, I work close with Borgia too, but you know, I, I'm I'm in this Caps building all the time. So no, I got some Blue Jay pride in me now. Yeah. All right, we did it. We converted <laughs> one of them, boys. We got them. But. Unfortunately, that is, I think, all the time we're going to have. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to interview and get your expert insight into Washington's right. economic and urban development. No, thank you guys for having me. And uh, there's one thing to pass along. Get your friends to stay here. <laughs> yeah. Plan on staying. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk with us. And I would also like to thank our viewers for listening today. Don't forget to stay updated on our Twitter, at Caps Business, and tune in to our next episode in the next couple of weeks. Have a great day and see you soon.